0: Welcome back Gothamites to Gotham TV Podcast and this repost of episode two of season two of Gotham. Knock knock. In this we are introduced to the prankster heavy maniacs and of course this leads to a hugely hugely shocking revelation for everyone at the GCPD and obviously those sat in front of the TV screen. So we hope you can join us uh, as we go through and discuss um, this second episode of season two of Gotham. Remember you can provide us with feedback at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com on anything to do with episode one, two or season two of Gotham. And, of course, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher, such as Podcast Addicts. Just search Gotham TV Podcast.
1: Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.
0: Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, detectives, to Gotham TV Podcast, episode 53, which will look at the hit show, Gotham, and episode two, Knock Knock. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm Derek, your other host. And it was knock, knock, let me in. It was very much Three Piggies and the Big Bad Wolf. Mm -hmm. And the GCPD was blown in. And unfortunately, wow, what a loss to the show, the GCPD. Literally, the seat is still warm from two commissioners Mm -hmm. having been removed. One by manipulation and now... R.I.P. Commissioner Essen. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Killed violently, shockingly by Jerome Valeska. Is he, is he not? The Joker is still the question. Yeah, absolutely. Very jokery in this. Yeah, very. Yeah. From green hair through to camera work during, um, interrogation of a police officer and the Commissioner. Mm. Um,
1: very jokery. Yeah, Very absolutely. hints to uh, Nolan, I reckon. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big episode, yeah, yeah. This kind of pulled the rug out from under me a bit, to be honest. Um, sadly, I think the actual big twist was spoiled for me um, just before the episode, so I was waiting for the end of that episode and what happened at the end. But there was no fear to talk about. There's definitely lots, lots and lots going on. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. And thanks for joining us, listeners. Obviously, uh, really delighted to have you back. We're continuing our coverage for uh, for Gotham from the episodes we saw us, uh, in New York for New York Comic-Con. So we'll be releasing an episode a week for the episodes that we've seen uh in New York while we were there. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed our coverage of New York Comic-Con and John's interviews with the cast of Gotham, uh, which was our last episode. Uh, released last week If you haven't heard that yet Go back and have a listen There's some great interviews there With uh, Corey Michael-Smith With um, Robin Lord-Taylor With Aaron Richards And Michael Chiklis With John ben Stevens Ben McKenzie And with uh, James Frain. James Frane. yeah, And uh, Tabitha Oh yes, Jessica Lucas, of course Jessica
0: Lucas, of, of course. course
1: Yeah, um, yeah so if, hopefully you've had a chance to listen to those If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to those And of course, you can check out all our
0: podcasts on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catchers such as Player FM, Stitcher, Podcast Addict or Beyond Pod. Again, just search Gotham TV Podcast and subscribe so that our dulcet, lovely tones come whistling through into the ears all about Gotham and the DC Universe. We are, of course, as well on Twitter, as you may have guessed. Um, our Twitter handle is at Gotham TV podcast. And of course we have our Facebook group as well, which is Gotham TV podcast. So if you want to have any thoughts on the season so far, um, any comments on season two, drop us a line, so to speak, um, through Twitter, through Facebook, through Even the old-fashioned email, just send it to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and we will share your thoughts and read them out on the podcast. But I think with that, we can go straight into this week's episode of Gotham. Knock, knock.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is season two, episode two of Gotham. Knock, knock. This was written by Ken Woodruff, uh, who's written three episodes of Gotham so far. He wrote uh, Arkham wrote Harvey Dent, and wrote the excellent Birds of Prey from season one. So this is his first season two episode. Um, it's directed by Rob Bailey, who uh, is another British director, um, who came from programs like The Bill, um, but also did The Wire and did some uh, episodes of Treme as well, uh, two brilliant shows. Um, really, really enjoyed those. So uh, so looking forward to what he has here on uh, Director's Duties for Gotham. And um, welcome him on board. It's his first episode of Gotham. Um, John, do you want to tell us what we got in this episode overall?
0: Absolutely. Gordon investigates the inmates' escape from Arkham Asylum as Theo Gallivan plots his revengeful move against Gotham, as he not only kidnaps the Myrrh, but places the evermore unhinged Jerome in charge of the other Arkham escapees, who now go by the name The Maniacs. Meanwhile, at Wayne Manor... Bruce's quest to unlock the secrets of his father's office leads to fractures between Bruce and his faithful butler, Alfred, as he smashes Thomas Wayne's computer in an attempt to protect Bruce from the untold story and information. These personal developments leave Bruce to request assistance from an old family friend, Lucius Fox, in an attempt to fix the computer and recover the missing information. However, at the same time, the maniacs begin a murder spree across the city of Gotham as part of an elaborate scheme of gallivans that leads them ultimately to the door of the GCPD, where the precinct is attacked in a sadistic, bloody massacre. Whilst there are some who escape wounded in the attack, many other good officers, detectives and colleagues and the Commissioner are killed.
1: RIP Commissioner Essen. Absolutely. Yeah. As I said uh, in our earlier intro, this was a bit of a rug pull. Uh, was not expecting that death. Um, if this is your first time listening to our episodes, we do cover the episodes of Gotham in a five point fashion, uh, which is our five case points for the episode. Some good, some bad, uh, but generally get around to talking about all of the episodes, uh, overall. Um, John, do you want to give us your first point? Yeah.
0: It has to be the attack on the GCPD. It's a bit back to front and skew with. But, um, this was the big moment of the episode. It was a full on showdown between the new boy in town, Galavan, and his band that he's put, brought together, the Maniacs, uh, against essentially the GCPD, the thing that makes everyone feel safe, uh, in Gotham and the new commissioner, uh, Commissioner Essen, yeah. who is taken and, and is killed, tortured, uh, she gives a good fight back. You know, she headbutts him. She she kind of lets him know that if he goes, the world will keep turning. But she ultimately is killed in this massive attack. You know, and you've got Leslie Tompkins, you have Nygma, you have um Christina Kringle, you have all these big characters that are present at the time of the attack. So, as it's going on you're going well who is going to get taken out here who are going to be the casualties because you see the gang you see the maniacs going around after the initial attack essentially executing people on the floor who are sort of crawling around writhing in agony so like this is to strike at the heart of the institution that makes everyone feel safe and it's really powerful stuff. It's really good stuff. It's action-packed. I love the way Jim is drawn away from the precinct by by Barbara with the phone call and then showing up in, in the doorway of the GCPD looking very Harley Quinn, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, Well, it's just the fact she's got the red gloves. She's kind of got that black and white coat, which kind of looks slightly checkered because... The, the collars are turned over and they're black. The coat's kind of a white cream. Right, yeah. So I, I saw definitely hints of Harley Quinn there and coupled to the ever increasing, um, jokery feel of Jerome Valesky. Um, you know, he has green hair at the start. He's got the laugh. Mm-hmm. And to me, this episode in season two so far, um, had a lot of, what I think were nods to Nolan, ultimately. Um, and in particular, it was uh, Jerome getting the video camera out, or should I say um, uh, Greenwood, the the um, cannibal, mm-hmm. uh, getting the camera out to film their sort of interrogation, their torture of Essen and other police officers, and ultimately the message that Jerome has to give to to the people of Gotham. So this was fantastic for me. I absolutely thought it was tense, and um, it was brutal and bloody, um, and it had some really good nods, I think, to the Dark Knight, actually, in some of those scenes, um, especially the videoing sequence that Jerome does.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. As you, as you say, that's one of the best scenes, I think, so far, um, in Gotham, uh, that this attack on the GCPD wasn't really expecting it to go down like this. Definitely wasn't expecting. The attack to be as brutal as it was again the the scene of the maniacs walking around popping the uh the cops in the head who they who they didn't take Absolutely. out immediately that's that's pretty brutal stuff for uh for this type of tv show uh overall but yeah um what really strikes me though is the loss of captain Essen. um i know obviously you lose a major character in a show and it's supposed to be impactful i totally understand that but for me Slightly outside of the show in my head, I kind of feel the the loss of potential for the character is kind of what struck me. Um Sarah essen has been a bit of a background character for a lot of the first season. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the performance of Sabrina Guevara in the show. And really with this, we've pretty much lost everybody from the original lineup of the show that made us think when we were starting to cover the show that it was going to be something like the Gotham Central comic books. Um, we've essentially lost uh, three or four major characters that would have formed a portion of the, of that cast, the way we thought the show was going to play out. So they're kind of making us, making a big line in the sand here and saying the show is hugely different to what it was originally laid out to be. Um, I guess a bit of a loss for the show to lose, to lose Sabrina, especially one episode after becoming commissioner. Um, you do have to have that barrier. For, uh, for Jim to become commissioner, you have to have somebody in that role so that he isn't commissioner because we know he eventually gets there. Uh, I presume he's not going to become commissioner next episode or something like that. So I think it could have been useful to keep Sabrina Guevara's character around Sarah Essen as the commissioner for maybe three or four episodes, uh, show her doing something in the city and not just killed off, uh, in one episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I echo, um, everything that you've said there and partly it's, I don't have an issue, actually, that she's died and been killed in that fashion. I think it's right that those kind of takeouts of big characters are done in that kind of fashion, mm-hmm. actually. It's the timing. I really wish we had seen maybe six or seven, maybe even half a season where Essence is in charge. She puts her stamp on it. You know, she's a great character from the comics, and... Um, like you, I love Sabrina Guevara's portrayal of Captain Essen. I thought she really bonded nicely with Jim Gordon on screen. I think obviously she had a good rapport. It would have seemed, or that's what I'm taking from that with Ben McKenzie. Mm. I mean, it was for me just too soon after she had replaced Commissioner Loeb. I'd have loved to have seen her, um, the doing her thing. Uh, much more for a couple more episodes at least, but I am even would go so far as to say, you know, maybe another six or seven episodes, maybe up to mid-season or something, and we would have this big attack or something. Or maybe not an attack like this, maybe it's an attack out of the GCPD. But the way she went, I loved it was just the timing, I think, for me. So I, I I agree with you on that. There's another timing issue I have, I think, with this episode as well, which I'll come to later, because it's right. one of my points. It's a it's a, again, it's a good point. I loved what the show did, I love what the writers did, I loved how it was done in the show. Mm-hmm. It was just a timing thing. And that's the only kind of slight maybe downer for this episode for me was not how it was shot now, not how it was portrayed and not even how it was written. Just that absolutely it moved things on way too quickly. And um, given that they know they've got 22 episodes, but maybe they've got an awful lot more to say. And yeah. so fair enough. But for me, yeah, I also sense a kind of a loss of now Captain Essen, we've obviously, the MCU has vaporized into absolute thin air. We do not know, for example, there's Cortez there. Uh, Did he survive the
1: attack on the GCPD? We don't know. Yeah, Jim's new partner, uh, essentially, as we we said last week. He gets a couple of lines in this episode and then disappears we don't know whether he's gone or not we don't know whether our friend tom calderon who we met at new york comic-con yeah officer joe officer joe with the mustache in the background and we don't know whether he's survived uh, this attack although i did did think i saw him standing up behind um as a background character he stands out quite well but i thought i saw him standing up behind uh two of the major characters towards the end of the episode i thought so too definitely but the one point I will make about the death of uh, Zabrina Ferrer, I hope they come back to it in a, uh, later episodes. I hope this isn't just a meaningless, um I don't know, a way of boosting ratings for the show or something by killing off a major character. That sometimes happens in TV shows in the US particularly. Um, but there was a very specific point where uh, James Fran's character, Galavan, takes um, Barbara Keane aside and asks him to tell her everything about Jim Gordon, and um, so potentially this is a call out to the fact that Barbara told them the one thing you do with Jim is take away his allies, and his biggest ally in the GCPD was obviously Sarah Essen. So, um, I would, I would kind of would have hoped maybe that scene would have been shown uh, on screen that that's it's because Barbara told them that's what you do, you take out his allies, take out the ground from underneath Jim. And um, but that, that I kind of read that into the scene.
0: Yeah, and but that would be great to be acknowledged later on in the season even. I mean, just because someone has passed away doesn't mean that they're gone from the show in terms of their presence Absolutely. and the the echo of what they've done in the previous episodes. And hopefully they can do something like that with Commissioner Essen's character that, you know, she was such an influence that her death is such a shock that it persists through the season. Like I thought they did that really, really well in Hannibal that we did on TV podcast industries. Mm. Looking at that, you know, characters came back from season one, season two, even if they'd been killed off, whether it was in flashback, whether it was in um just a narrative that was being talked about by two different people, mm-hmm. their presence kept coming back. And it was a really nice way of keeping these really central characters involved in the show, but ultimately that they had left the show to an extent in some cases, or that they did actually come back. Yeah. You know, and just because they've not been on screen for a season or a number of episodes doesn't mean that they can't come back. And so... Um, I hope something like that potentially happens, primarily that her memory lives on, basically, because she was a great, great addition to the GCPD. I really liked her. I know you did. Mm-hmm. The fans did. Um, and it's, it is an RIP commissioner Essen, you know, 10 Hutt kind of thing. Um, and, uh, salute to Sabrina Guevara for a great portrayal of. Captain Essen and then Commissioner Essen. Really,
1: really good. Captain Essen, you will be missed. You certainly but will. But I'm going to jump around my point, uh, slightly based on what you just said because it leads in quite well to, uh, to one of my points. Um, the callbacks that are done in this episode to season one, I think they're great. Um, it's nice to see them developing some little elements from, from characters that played a part in season one. Um, and two of those jumped out to me very hugely, I suppose. Number one is Harvey Bullock and, uh, his now girlfriend. Uh, Scotty. So we heard mention in the first episode uh, that he had a partner and that he has someone that he goes home to every night now, and we find out it is Scotty from the first season who was uh, essentially one of the traumatized victims of. Uh, of the Scarecrow's dad, uh, I guess, Dr. Crane, um, in the episode Scarecrow. Um, so that's a really nice callback. I like the fact that they are using actors from season one and characters from season one just to have a little bit of extra, um, I suppose, padding out the the characters like Harvey Bullock, where you want to see their home life. Yeah, I really
0: like that too. Um, and it was definitely the Scarecrow stuff. And yeah. I believe she is his fiance. That's right. Yes,
1: yes, they do. They definitely say that. Uh, I like the scene itself as well. I love that she's protecting Harvey because she doesn't want him to go back to the police force because of that comment that he made to her in uh, in that episode, essentially, where he said, um, "The thing I'm most scared of is dying." alone in the streets, being shot and, and, dying alone in the streets. So she knows he's scared of being on the police force. At least that's what he said to her. Um, so I like that that's another callback to season one. So it shows a bit of growth of the characters, which we didn't get much of in season one. they are, at times they're a bit caricature They stayed the same episode to episode, but they're allowed to build on them this season a lot more, which is a really, really enjoyable, uh, element of the show so far. This first two episodes have been really, really good. and uh, if I, if I haven't said that, uh, Big enough in the, in the last couple episodes. Uh, wanna be clear, I've really enjoyed the episodes we've seen so far. Definitely. Um, the other big call out, uh, for this episode is one of the maniacs. I uh, don't know whether you, you remember this. The, uh, the character Aaron Helsinger, uh, who's the big tough guy. Um, now he was played by a different actor in season one, uh, but he was the partner of the electrocutioner. In the episode, electrocution. Yes, of he was. Yeah, he was the guy that essentially the lobotomy that uh, the electrocutioner was performing on everybody in Arkham uh, actually worked on Aaron Elzinger. Um, he essentially became ultra strong and became easily manipulated, which we see to great effect throughout this episode as well. And we saw a little bit last week as well. He essentially can be told what to do by anybody and uses his strength and brute force to do it. So I like that there's a callback there. They don't explain it. That i explain why he's so easily manipulated. But we know, as obviously as viewers of the show, this is a previous character that was on there. And that's, he got that power essentially from the electrocutioner back in season one. So.
0: Absolutely. It's a great thing to see. And again, it's two fantastic uh, nods. I think my next case point um, is again, it's that nod to Nolan. Um, and for me, it's the bar scene between Lucius Fox and Alfred. Oh, yes. Um, and essentially the, the team up there between those two and then Bruce Wayne. Um, there's a number of reasons why I absolutely love this bar scene. I think the interaction between Lucius Fox and Alfred Pennyworth is amazing. I love the fact that he goes all cockney on him. Um,
1: he really, really starts bringing out the Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah, definitely. We actually had a bit of feedback asking us to, uh, to try and explain some of the, uh, the Cockney terms that he uses in his, uh, in his speech.
0: Absolutely. And we will do that. And I think really the, the third one is that I really like this start to this story arc. Obviously, uh, again, Lucius Fox was introduced in season one and now he's coming here again as an ally or he has to at least prove Um, that he can be confided in. Um, and I love how Alfred brings that out. But for me, this ties really neatly into Nolan's film because it feels consistent with the world of Batman and Gotham. Because I always remember watching Dark Knight and thinking it's interesting that there is this guy, Lucius Fox, who, you know, who knows but pretends that he doesn't know. And I like the fact that here, the tie goes back to actually Thomas Wayne and that here we have uh, Bruce's um, guardian uh, uh, and butler asking him, can you be trusted? You know that there are two types of, of men, you know, Alfred gives him a spiel about this guy Onslow. And he says there's two types, um, the ones you can and the ones you can't trust. And I love just the interaction how Lucia says, and both types of people will give you the same answer. Um and Alfred is there. Heart on his sleeve, I need to be able to confide in you. You need to prove that you could be trusted. Um and by basically saying that I'll tuck you up, sunshine, like a kipper. If <laughs> if if you show that you are untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And by that, obviously, uh, killing him and burying him, <laughs> ultimately wrapping him up and putting him out of sight. Um, yes, kipper is a smoked fish, mm-hmm. a mackerel, and you can get them in tins. And I think that's what he means by wrapping them up. Interesting. I think is that, so you normally pull the, the, the tin Lid back, um, and there are the kippers. Right. So covering them up, I think, is them being tuck tinned. You, tuck you up I like think, a kipper. or in posher circles, it could be being wrapped up in nice and um, sort of uh, very expensive paper. There's, I think it's smokies, or a type of smoked mackerel in Scotland, mm-hmm. that are really expensive. And um, so, <clears throat> yeah, really good. Well I love all this cockneyism geezer larry scallywag you know you my old sausage and um, all great terms uh of which I probably can't understand all of them myself
1: <laughs> a leery little scallywag or a leery little scallywag is definitely my favourite uh, of of the terms Uh took you up sunshine like a kipper and um, is a great phrase uh, I take that as just very simply uh, for me it is just simply obviously as you say kipper is a fish and it is essentially gutting you like a fish yeah so I'll kill you it's the threat is i will gut you like a fish i'll kill you very much so yeah um but the point i i love how you, exactly as you put it john i love the the element of alfred i don't know whether it's uh, whether the the phrase wearing his heart in his sleeve i think he's definitely wearing his violence on his sleeve he's wearing the anger and aggression of the fact that he now has to trust this guy who essentially pushed himself into a situation with bruce told Bruce that uh, there is something interesting and different about his father Thomas, and now he doesn't have the choice as to whether this guy is trustworthy or not he's going to make sure he is trustworthy or else he's going to kill him that's basically it yeah he is yeah. being
0: intimidating to the extreme in a very um in a very nice way you know it's over g ts and a drink <laughs> it's in a very uh nice bar by the looks of it oh, yeah. he even offers to get him another drink after that yet. Under this is a threat which he will make good on, and I thought that just was a superbly delicious scene that we got. Um, you know, the two worlds, Cockney Geezer, Londoner, um, Butler, and quite a high-powered executive in the Gotham Corporation, real techno-savvy, um, you know, two very different worlds, and I just... Absolutely loved it. And I, I, again, I love the fact he doesn't want to trust him, but has to. Um, and I like the fact that he puts that back onto Lucius to say, you know, you're part of this issue when you called Thomas Wayne a stoic. Mm-hmm. You put the idea into Bruce's head. Um, but for me, stand out scene as well um, in this episode. Adored it. Could watch it again. Reminded me of the scene in Wayne Manor's kitchen. Um, between Reggie and Alfred and Bruce. Mm. Um, really nice stories being yeah. involved, um, really true to the characters that are there, so absolutely a great bit of dialogue. Interaction between the the actors,
1: fantastic, loved it. Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, and with our Dark Knight moment, uh, much like last week, uh, <laughs> much like last episode, we also have our... Uh... Batman 66 moment, really, Um, which for me is uh, is the maniacs spelling out their name in bodies. Uh, weirdly to me, this just felt like something out of Batman 66. It is a very funny moment and a great moment for Jerome Velasca. It's a fun little gag. Obviously, there is no possible way that from seven stories up or whatever they are, that they could be throwing bodies and lining them up in the perfect order to spell out their name. It's not possible. And it is, it is quite funny it's weird how brutal it is though for the for the violence of it it's weird how brutal it is
0: you mean to say it wasn't Mayor Aubrey with his head in a box being whipped around Galliman's apartment, but that wasn't the 66 moment.
1: That's another one, I think. Or maybe
0: the, the maniac's attack on the school bus with all the cheerle- cheerleaders. Give me an O. o <laughs> give me an H. H. Give me an N. N. Give me an O. What did I say? Oh no. <laughs> I loved it. That was, yeah, that Absolutely. was, that was definitely another 66 moment. Yeah. I probably didn't need to actually redo it, but you know, <laughs> Everyone there listening, just repeat after me. Give me
1: a... <laughs> <laughs> added an extra letter I'm in there, actually, didn't it? Or was it just, no. oh, just, oh no. no. Yeah, it was just, oh, no. For sure. That's okay. You can, you can spell it correctly. That's okay. You're not a maniac. Sorry. I
0: am doing the Cockney Londoner spelling of <laughs> oh No, rather than the New York, uh, Manhattan spelling.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the other college. So we've had our Dark Knight. We've had our Batman 66. And we also have our Jack Nicholson Batman as well. Uh, great little moment. And just you mentioned the school bus. Uh, great little moment where, uh, where Jerome takes out the gun and is firing at Jim essentially aping almost perfectly jack nicholson's moment where he's killing his boss in in batman 89 as we'll probably call it the tim burton batman uh where he's firing over his shoulder and behind his back and doing twists that's absolutely right out of uh right out of tim burton's batman so once again jerome is doing a great job at the jokers whether he is or not we'll we'll i'm sure we'll find out very soon yeah absolutely absolutely so that was my third point uh john
0: what's your next point my next point is again um out Al- between Alfred and Bruce. It is the was hired, then he was fired, mm. and then he was hired again. Um for me, I absolutely um really thought this was a great emotional kind of fracture and turn in the relationship between Alfred and Bruce. I think it certainly sets up uh, that scene between Lucius Fox and Alfred um hugely um and I really did like it. But again, I had an issue where, to me, this was a huge, big thing. This was Bruce essentially turning to um, to um Alfred. He thinks that he's blown his chances of finding out everything about his dad mm-hmm. uh, and the, um, the emotional connection that that has. And he says, I want you to go and never come back. You're fired. That is a really big moment for me. I thought it was really good, but it's all resolved in 15 minutes. Mm. I felt it, again, it's one of those things where, okay, maybe it won't fit in with all the other episodes, and maybe I'm just looking at this from a single episode perspective. Um, But I did think it would have been great to have seen Alfred go into Gotham Um, And like with the episode where he teamed up with Bullock, you know, maybe ended up in Bullock's bar or something like that. Or maybe he, you know, you got to see him in the real world away from Wayne Manor and how he would behave then for a couple of episodes. And for then for the realization of that return to Wayne Manor at the request of Bruce and that it takes bruce a while to sort of for the penny to drop that he really does need uh, alfred i mean i know that was never on the cards because alfred says he's going to get a train away from gotham Mm. so we wouldn't you know the way it was done it was never going to be something that was drawn out from what i can see but I, i feel that that was a really nice opportunity lost to really explore these two characters separately Um, and then see that bond get ever closer with something that happened. Whereas it all, again, it was a timing thing, and that was all. I liked actually what happened. It was just, again, I would have loved to have seen a bit more of them apart to see how they uh, behaved, responded. Um, But nonetheless, I think that... The makeup speech, so to speak, at the railway station, you know, make me ready, teach me to survive, train me, you know, I'll go back to school. So I'm now going, that I really am looking forward to see as well. Mm. And maybe we will see some more of Tommy Elliot, possibly. And yeah. um, maybe it's with one of the new characters that's coming in, like Silver St. Cloud. Mm. So I'm really excited to see what happens now uh, with Alfred training Bruce properly and Bruce actually being entered back into the real world a bit more often. Mm. Um, so I loved, again, what happened and how it was done. I just wish maybe there'd been a bit of um, of, of a, a drawn-out aspect to this, either bit where we maybe just see Alfred on his own and how his character is and Bruce how his character is. Yeah. The only other one thing I would say is whether you can fire your legal guardian. <laughs> I have that With, note as well. Can you fire a legal guardian? Without yeah. a lawyer, but nonetheless, uh-huh. I can suspend that
1: uh-huh. belief. Yeah, I see, I see what you mean. I, I definitely understand the, the fact that the writers have used this in the first two episodes of season two means they probably won't use it again for quite a while. Uh, I presume he's not going to fire his butler again in three episodes time and uh, they, they won't be able to use this this bit essentially which means that these two characters are now linked for a while it would have been great to see for example maybe bruce reaches out to selena if he's left alone for on his own for too long Uh, as you say maybe uh, alfred reaches out to other members of the gotham society that he's met before rather than just going for a train and again it feels these two characters do feel like they're being kind of segmented away from the city so it was nice to see at the end of the episode that they go down to the gcpd there is a bit of a look on alfred's face when bruce uh, gives Jim a hug. So again, uh, Alfred looks like he's he doesn't like the idea that there's a bit of an influence from an external source again in uh with Bruce. Uh, I thought that was a good little well played scene from uh from Alfred, definitely. But my next point is actually part of that uh scene really. Uh it's kind of about the writers and how they're doing um the Batcave. Uh, this season, we were kind of told before season two that uh, we would get an explanation for Thomas Wayne's cave um what it is that's under Wayne Manor. It really does feel like the writers are stretching out this explanation quite significantly. And it is slowing down the show for me a little bit. Um so, as I mentioned in the first episode review, um, it began. They found the doorway down uh, to the cave and um, they get down to the cave and then Bruce needs code to get in. So it got to the end of the first episode he eventually gets in and gets a letter, but there's a computer there that he has to break into. So he needs codes for that. This episode, it starts off where he's about to get onto the computer and find out the secrets that his dad holds. But then Alfred smashes the computer. And then by the end of this episode, we're told by Lucius that, um, yes, he can fix the computer, but it's going to take a long time and he'll still have to understand what was in there from Thomas Wayne. He doesn't have all the secrets either. So, um, it feels like you know you would expect that Bruce would start would have started to learn some of the secrets by now and i'm hoping we will get a bit more of that over the course of uh, the early part of the season i don't want this to be the, the central mystery for an entire season only to find out that we get one secret at the end of the season i really want to see Bruce exploring thomas wayne's secrets that shouldn't in any way hinder his development towards batman um it shouldn't be he shouldn't have a toolbox by the end of the season of everything he needs to be Batman, so I don't see why they can't release some of these little secrets to allow Bruce going on a bit of a journey into the darkness of Gotham. Uh, I think that's not a problem with him exploring that, so hopefully we'll see that throughout the season. But a really good point from you, John, about uh, about hopefully him going back to school, and hopefully we'll, we'll get to see that storyline with Thomas Elliott that was uh, was missed in last season when we had... The the one moment of Thomas Elliott getting a punch in the face from Bruce. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a bit more of that this season. There might be a a bit more of that uh, if Bruce returns to school.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be really good to have Tommy Elliott there. You know, obviously he was punched in the face last time that maybe he's he's learned a bit of humility, at least towards Bruce. Mm. But maybe as well from the comics and from Jeff Loeb's um, hush, like there's great flashback scenes there to bruce um as a child um with tommy elliott and how they have this connection because um both their parents have died and maybe that in his return to school he has and sees um tommy elliott who has maybe at this stage lost his parents and they bond they have some kind of connection and obviously what we do know is that they have very different roots in dealing with that uh, apparent uh, death of, of their, their parents. Mm. So that could be a really interesting story arc. It could be really faithful to um, the, the comics and a really good comic arc as well and a great background to ultimately uh,
1: another rogue in batman's gallery that's a free one there for you gotham writers well done john (laughs) uh with that what's your next point john Uh, my next case point is
0: the maniacs uh, as as a group we got some feedback saying that they they could be the royal flush gang which it was a great concept i really loved that idea but they're being called the maniacs and i loved um how in a very short space of time, actually, in contrast to two of my other points, that these felt like they'd been together for a while. I love the tension between Jerome and Cannibal Greenwood uh, and the Russian roulette. I thought that was a really good little scene where co- good comedy is about timing, courage is great under pressure, and who's the boss I am after he does Three blanks into his skull. Mm. Like, really good performance there from Cameron Monaghan. Um, I really liked that. I loved Barbara's swagger. uh, The fact that she's kind of settled into being this crazy lady who is... Sure, in herself, I mean she seems to be having a great time with with Tabitha, Um which well, she does, <laughs> which I think in um just a little note on that is when Tabitha kills one of the maniacs at the school bus run, you do see a leather tail coming from uh, I think her jacket, so obviously a nod to her being also the tigress mm-hmm. uh, and whether um as we um heard in our interviews about this idea that she may be an influence on uh, the young Selina Kyle and how she progresses as another feline uh, character within the world of Gotham. Yeah, with the leather, Um, the tail, the whip. Yeah, exactly. Um, But as well, then, uh, I love that it helped to sort of clarify Galavan's motives as well a bit more um, as to why he's doing this. But as well, I loved when Commissioner Essen hands the case of um the maniacs over to Jim. He runs through all of them on on a slideshow. You know, there's Jerome who's who was in for matricide. There was Arnold Tompkins who was um a poisoner. There was Aaron Housinger who killed his family and obviously then Robin Greenwood who killed and ate a dozen women, you know, as though they're oysters. The the way it was said. And then he comes to his fiance, his ex-fiance, Barbara Keane, and Barbara killed her parents, um, and, and you just saw with everyone else, and like, oh yes, and you were engaged to her Absolutely. as well, um, Ooh, you know. Burn. What part did you play in her um, unhinging? Uh-huh. Um, it was just, I love the look and expression on Ben McKenzie's face, you know, as he clicks to the next slide, and it's his ex-fiance, and just all, the, the other officers of the GCPD as he's running through this roll call of nutcases and here he comes, um you know, really, really good. um absolutely. Loved it, absolutely loved it. So I loved the Maniacs. I, I loved
1: how nutty they were. It was an app name, I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's actually... I think that's actually my final point. I have a, just a couple of points actually just about Jerome and Barbara. Um definitely Barbara Keane in this episode is fantastic. I love that she she has that great moment of walking up to Galavan and saying to him, Why are all the boys playing? Why am I getting a go here? Um and then she she reveals herself that this is her big moment is essentially to take out Jim, um, to destroy everything around him in the G C P D and to tell him that she is not uh, crazy. She's free. That's a huge moment for Barbara Gordon. She's there. Damn it! Had to call her Barbara Gordon there, Barbara Keene. It's a huge <laughs> moment from Barbara Keene, uh, where she is essentially separating herself completely from her past and saying that she's perfectly happy with the way she is now. The spiral that she went through throughout season one is not where she is anymore. She spiraled all the way down to the bottom now, and she loves it there. And that's a really good scene with her, I thought. Uh, really, really good. Uh, the piece with Jerome, the chainsaw uh, versus uh, versus the samurai sword. I think it's hilarious and really well played. Again, um, he's. he's He's a fantastic character, and I'm really, really enjoying Cameron Monaghan's portrayal uh, of, of the character of Jerome. Again, joker or not, I don't care. I love the character. Uh, like I've been saying that Absolutely. since the first time we saw him. Uh, really, really good. And, yeah, the Russian roulette, that is, that's a creepy, creepy scene. It's not a funny scene um, after the first little joke between the two of them. Uh, I, I'm really nervous about that scene where someone's got... Um, what five, six chambers in a in a gun, and only one of them's got a bullet in it. Uh that that trigger was pulled four times. Um, I was waiting for him to turn the gun on Dustin Ybarra's Robert Greenwood, um, who's antagonizing him. I was waiting for him to turn that fifth shot on him to take him out. Uh, essentially, uh, so that my tension was pretty high for that scene. That th- I yeah, thought really, really good well scene, done. really, really well done. Uh, that overall is my my points for the episode, John. Do you? What's your next point? Do you have a final point? I do. It's a very short point and it
0: is the return of Bullock. Bullock is back. I'm really pleased that he is back. Yeah. Um, obviously there's a lot of shorthand in relation to the rehiring process done <laughs> in, in this episode, but the fact that he turns up in GCPD's Hour of Need, I'm really, really can't wait to see what he does. I mean, essentially it would seem that he will be drinking whiskey rather than serving it now that he's back on the force. I love that there was a a will-he-won't-he vibe earlier in the episode with Jim trying to get uh, him to return to the GCPD Mm -hmm. um, at the orders of Essen. So for me, this was a real nice, neat ending that he turns up, so I can't wait. I'd love to see, you know... Will we hear about Scotty? Will that start to disintegrate? What's
1: going to happen here? Yeah. Really good yeah. um, little ending. Absolutely. he got that hero shot in the door with a new hat. Did you notice he's got a new, much darker hat? Mm-hmm. And I think a bigger brim on it. Um, don't know why I noticed these things. Uh, but, yeah, really, really cool to see, uh, to see Harvey back uh, in this episode, definitely. So, Derek, have you got any notes for us? Well, my biggest note, really, is the one thing we didn't really talk about in the episode, which is... Uh, Mr. Edward Enigma being pushed further, further over the edge. Do you like that? Um, as he tries to ask Christine Kringle <laughs> once again and ends off with the, uh, with the weirdest comments I think he's made so far, which is, uh, do you know that houseflies hum in the key of F? Um, which has got to be pushing Christine Kringle pretty, pretty far away from him, but, there is a great, another hero moment in the background throughout this episode. He's the one that saves Christine from being shot. Uh, there's a great moment between the two of them where she's handing him uh, a, a painkiller for the headache that he's obviously got from the bullets that have been shooting through the, uh, through the GCPD and the big smile on her face. So I think he could be in there. Yeah. He may have
0: just cracked that nut. Um, or shall we say the Riddler has basically. Yeah. Um, it could have been the Riddler. Jumping through the air to save Christine Kringle. That's true. Um, So really good. Um, One of my points is that we had no penguin in this episode. That's right. Um, No penguin, no butch, no
1: zaz. No,
0: which was very interesting. Um, As well, we had Alvarez mentioned. I think we said, did he survive or didn't he? But he was... made the coordinating officer with Jim Gordon uh, in the case to to hunt down the maniacs. Mm -hmm. And I did like the fact that Mer Aubrey was here um, and was told that he was going to play a part in the great cleansing of Gotham um, that will be done in blood and in fire at the hands of Theo Galavan, And, of course, we do know that Firefly is um, coming into the show Ooh, at fantastic. some point. So, is this the fire to which he refers? Really, really good. Like, really can't wait to see um, more of Galavan's plans and how and if this fire to which he refers
1: to is Firefly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a really good callback because it sounded like the um, the Rivers of Blood speech from Penguin in, in the first episode of season one. Um, the Cleansing of the, of the streets of Gotham with fire. I thought it was a really good, uh, really good little callback. And again, setting up Galavan as being this season's version of the penguin. I don't think he's as popular or will be as popular as, uh, as Robin Lord Taylor was, uh, throughout season one, but I'm really enjoying the character of Galavan and what he, what he's doing. Uh, as for Mayor Aubrey, I was I actually was shocked. I thought they were, they had put the box on his head because they couldn't get the actor back. Um, to play the part, he's got a he's got a well known actor. I think we talked about him quite a lot in season one. Um, and I wasn't expecting that they'd open up the box. I thought they would just they were just making a reference to the fact that you won't see the mayor again. So I'm delighted when they opened the box that uh, that it was the same actor playing the role.
0: And ultimately, a good nod back again to season one in this episode. Mm. Um, certainly, because really from episode twelve we didn't see the mayor again. So there was almost ten to 12 episodes of the first season where he vanished. That's right. Yeah. So it still gives me hope for the MCU in my little MCU crusade. But you never know. Yeah. So have you got any final points?
1: Uh, just the final points just for this one is again uh, the little uh, little element of Gotham that I really do enjoy which is the timeless element or the, the, the fact that you can't pin it down to a time period. Uh, In this episode, it was the uh, the newspaper workers. Um, The fact that there is loads of people working in a newspaper dressed in suits uh, always makes me think uh, that it's uh, probably more the 20s than it is uh, that it is present day, and the uh, the truck that the maniacs steal, full of uh, full of petrol, that's definitely not a current day truck. That again looks like something that you get in a in a Kellogg's cornflake box. Um, in back in my day, the old uh, the old Maxbox cars, it's definitely like a a 1920s, 1930s car. So, um, I think this is a really good call out for the animated series. Um, it's really much that type of style of Batman uh, that they're that they're showing on the screen here, and I really enjoyed it. Definitely. So, John, overall, what do you think of the episode? I thought this was a really good
0: episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought there were some great scenes from, um, Alfred and Lucius at the bar through to, um, sort of the breakup of Alfred and, and Bruce with the, with the firing. There were a few timing issues for me in this, but I can't let that take away from a really well-directed episode, really well-acted, some great scenes, some great dialogue, you know, the big knockout punch with the loss of uh, Commissioner Essen, um, the Maniacs were fantastic, and mm-hmm. um, everything about this really connected in ways that harked to so many different aspects of the Gotham mythos, whether that's Nolan, Batman 66, you just saying about the animated series, but even, uh, down to, um, Tim Burton's. For me, It's a really strong, solid episode. And for that, I'm going to give this four Larry Scallywags out of five. (laughs) I think this is a really solid episode. Yes, there's a few niggles, but, you know, that's my own kind of feeling. It doesn't really detract too much from it. Uh, But this is superb. And in particular for me, the bar scene between Lucius uh, and Alfred and the passing of a great... Um, commissioner and actor in uh, Commissioner Essen, Captain Essen, and Sabrina Guevara. Thank you for playing uh, Captain Essen and, and this wonderful character.
1: Yeah, I yeah, totally agree with all your points there. Um, it's it's a great episode, really enjoying season two so far. Uh, definitely, there's a couple of little things that I have a particular problem with, I think, as, as I mentioned, the taking out of, uh, of uh, Captain Essen for me is definitely too early and a big wasted opportunity for a character that should have had a much bigger part to play in season one and the fact that we've lost her now in season two is a bit of a shame uh it's not i i I watch walking dead for example I, i we lose characters on that show all the time that i love uh it's not because i love the character it's that i felt that she was underutilized and had the opportunity to be utilized more it's probably my slight drawback in this episode so i'd probably more go for a for a three and a half uh tucked up kipper's <laughs> um, uh, out of five. Uh, for if I if I was scoring these episodes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you geezer. But I think with that we have a bit of feedback
0: for um this episode and for the episode uh that went last week, episode one. Damned if you do. Fascinating.
1: Fascinating. Points well made. I think. Yeah. So our feedback this week comes from Daniel Butcher from the Welcome to Level Seven podcast. Uh, I think he's been podcasting all the way through the summer. Great to have you back, Daniel. Absolutely. So he sent us some feedback on season two, episode one and season two, episode two, while we were over in New York. Um, his first piece of feedback, uh, starts out with, don't read if you have not seen the episode. Uh, don't worry, guys, just to make sure you know, we have seen a number of the first episodes, so we're not going to be spoiled by your email. We won't even open them if we haven't, uh, haven't seen the episode, so don't worry about it. Um, he says, well, that really does seem to be a call to action or inaction in the letter from Thomas Wayne's father to, uh, to Bruce. I uh, totally agree. It's very much um, you can follow your destiny or do nothing at all um, is basically the the intention of uh, of Thomas's letter. Look for happiness or don't, uh, essentially. Uh, really good point. Um, Daniel says, is it me or are they making Barbara into Harley down to the dress? John, you made the point about this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a definite sense that she's looking, you know, Black, white and red, um, the color of cards, um, I definitely think there's a, a Harley Quinn vibe going on, but in the same way that there's a Joker vibe going on with Jerome, whether it's them or ultimately whether it's a surrogate of, um, of these well-known characters, um, so that we're getting to see sort of earlier, maybe proto versions of, of these characters. I mean, the only thing I think that ha- has to be, um, sort of, t- borne in mind by the writers in doing that. It's great to have that manicness of the Joker and of Harley being done, um, by Barbara and by, um, Jerome. But I think I've, I've read this somewhere and, you know, I'm certainly not going to take it as my own, but it's the idea that, you know, when Joker and Harley do come on the scene, it's almost like you say, well, it's like a copycat. You don't want to undermine their characters too much by all these people doing Harley-esque or Joker-esque things and them not ending up being um, the, the actual characters. Because down the line, then, you really say, or there's the danger of going, well... This isn't really that unique because, well, Jerome did it like 10 years before you came on the scene and and the Red Hood Gang were doing it before you. And I think that's one of the things I liked about the Red Hood Gang was that it was anonymous and actually that... That's where he came from because he actually took it beyond what the red hood was, mm-hmm. where he actually takes it off and then he doesn't give two hoots about being seen or not seen. And that's one of the things with, um, on the difference between Batman and the Joker. The Joker likes to parade around, be seen to, for him to at least give people the impression that they know what he's doing, and then to pull the rug from under their feet. Batman, it is about being in the shadow. So, I agree, they're definitely making them in Harley-esque, Joker-esque, and so on, but there's a huge change in storyline if Barbara ends up being Harley. She's not a medical doctor, she's not Arkham, so I don't think she is, and I don't think Jerome is uh, the Joker, but I love what they're doing with the characters, and I love that it's got flavours of those great characters. I think they've just got to be careful and a bit mindful.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one point I would definitely make is uh, they were supposed to be using Harley Quinn in uh, in Arrow. Um, season one, we saw the back of her head. We heard a laugh. She looked exactly like Harley from the back. And then they were told by Warner Brothers, no, we're going to be using that character for Suicide Squad. So they're not able to use... The character of Harley Quinn on TV because of the movie deals, essentially. So, um, so we definitely won't be seeing Harley Quinn. I, I think you're right, John. I think it's much more Harley-esque. It's an idea of a character, a strong female character who's playful and has maybe got a relationship with, uh, with Jerome or the Joker, essentially is what they're going to do, but it probably won't be Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel goes on to say, man, no more Peter Scalari. That seems wrong. So that's the former commissioner. Commissioner uh, Loeb. Commissioner Loeb of, of the city. Um, where last season he lost his job. Uh, possibly after this ep- episode, we may be seeing Commissioner Loeb come back I to take a I was just thinking position. that. Yeah. <laughs> he may be coming out of retirement pretty soon, unfortunately. Um,
0: but uh, definitely
1: he was a great, creepy
0: Commissioner Loeb. I love the fact that he was this bureaucratic, uh, knows how to work the system nemesis to, um, to Jim Gordon. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And also then Daniel goes on to say, so Black Mask, I guess we don't need to worry about him. Obviously, uh, Tabitha goes to, uh, town with her claws, um, on, uh, Black Mask and is taken out of the picture. That's Richard Sionis. And then finally, Daniel uh, closes out by saying, now, if you're not going to help, can you
1: make some tea? And We know our best tea expert is here with John. Uh, definitely. So uh, he can definitely make the tea uh, for us. Post-show? Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> A nice, dodgy link. Or maybe Earl Grey Hot No
1: Milk. Maybe, maybe, uh, Picard-esque, it. I think. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Uh, again, we did receive some more feedback about episode two from Daniel. Um, he says you really, really don't want to read this until you've seen the episode. Uh, so again, we have seen a, a number of them, so don't worry about spoiling us. Uh, honestly, while most of the episode had nice things, uh, like the Bruce, uh, Fox, Alfred partnership starting. I found a lot of the, this episode a bit slow, but once Barbara makes it clear what her new normal is, which is really great, the episode heats up and fast. I'm still in shock that Essen is dead. I guess, spoiler, the Joker killed her in the comics, um, that they really want us to believe that Jerome is the Joker. So what's next? Gordon for Commissioner?
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I agree with absolutely everything, uh, you say there, Daniel. Um, I loved, Fox, Bruce and Alfred, uh, triangle there. I loved, uh, Barbara really embracing the new crazy. Um, and the fact that Essen is dead is a huge shock for the season, but also for me as well. The fact that it does increasingly seem to make that break with having, um, the GCPD as a central anchoring point for the show other than, obviously, Jim and now Harvey Bullock coming back, the fact that, you know, Essen is gone, Loeb is gone, and um, we have got, potentially, we don't know who was taken out in um, the uh, the shootout massacre, like Alvarez, whether he's coming back, and mm. um, obviously the MCU have gone, so this is a real trimming of the GCPD. Um, Gordon for Commissioner? Maybe a bit too soon, Um Hopefully they'll bring Scolari back. Definitely, yeah. um, or um, certainly, we know about Captain Nathaniel Barnes, uh, played by Michael Chiklis, is coming in. Uh, will be coming in episode three, but he is only captain. That's right. He That's is right. not the commissioner. So yeah. it will be interesting to see who. Uh, replaces Commissioner Essen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would disagree with Daniel and I didn't think this episode was slow. Um, I mm-hmm. thought this episode was quite, was quite a, 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 quick episode. Um, for me, I think the, the, they spent a lot of time with the maniacs, uh, doing crazy things. Um, so I, I, I actually really enjoyed it, uh, and really found it uh, quite a fast episode. I thought there was a lot going on. And I think, uh, of all the episodes that we've done five points for, I think this was one of the ones that we definitely found easily five separate points to talk about. Um, Overall in the episode. Uh, yeah, so,
0: great episode. Yeah, really mm-hmm. Loads of things to talk about. Really good. I'm really hoping that Rob Bailey and um, the director comes back to do another one because mm. I loved this. I thought it was really, really good. I mean, I know I agree with you on it not being slow, but I, I agree with Daniel on pretty much all his other points uh, in his email. Yeah. So thank you, Daniel, so much for sending in the feedback. feedback. Um, I think. That's it for the feedback this week. But if anyone wants to send in their feedback, comments or thoughts on any of the episodes so far of Gotham, up to episode five at least, um, we have seen, um, please send them in at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can also send them in through our Twitter handle at gothamtvpodcast. But it is just to say we will be back again in a week's time with episode three of Mm. gotham and so until then keep listening to the podcast you can find us at GothamTv podcast.com forward slash itunes subscribe to us there or any other good podcast catcher such as podcast addicts beyond pod player fm just search gotham tv podcast and subscribe uh, leave a review uh, if you want to every little helps so thank you so much for listening
1: yeah definitely and as john said we love hearing your feedback about the episodes i know we're covering it slightly differently than we would be uh because we saw most of the episodes over in new york and um, we're covering them as we go um we will be stretching this out as john said next week with episode three we will be talking about that next week make sure you send in your feedback to feedback at gotham tv com. Um, we love reading it out we love we love uh, hearing from you guys. Um, Thanks very much. We will talk to you next week. Yes. Yeah, bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. And John, did you know that house flies home in the key of F? Mm, you geezer. <laughs>